This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good morning. You are listening to The Morning Run. It's 6 a.m. on Friday, May the 13th. Friday the 13th, it everyone. Is, it is. Oh, I wow. thought it's escaped everybody's attention. Not at all. The, it's the only Friday 13th for this year. So uh, make of it as you will. Uh, I'm Shazana Mokhtar. I'm in studio today with Kusu Chuang and Tan Chen Li. We're on the cusp of a long weekend because it is a public holiday on Monday for Wesat Day. Happy Wesat Day to all those who are observing it this weekend. Yes, in advance. It's another long weekend and something to look forward to. Definitely a yay for me too. <laughs> Always look forward to long weekend for me. <laughs> but before we get into that, we do have a lot of interesting conversations lined up for you, as always, on our show today. Beginning at 7.15, the nightlife scene is set to return this weekend on May 15th. So we're going to be discussing the new SOPs with Jeremy Lim of Persatuan Pemilik Restaurant and Bistro. I'm sure this comes as a much-needed uh, revitalization of cl- nightclubs and bars that have been closed for a very long time. And then at 7.30, we're going to talk about the outlook of Philippines' economy post-election. And we'll discuss this with Dr. Zamro Zukafli uh, of Maybank Investment Bank. And then at 7.45, we talk about how the crypto markets have tanked and investors have been fleeing for safe havens. We discuss the whys and the wherefores with a fintech expert, Varun Mittal. That's at 7.45. So we're going to have all this and more today on The Morning Run. Stay with us here, BFM 89.9. That was The Kooks with Ula. And before that, you heard the Alan Parsons project with I Wouldn't Want to Be Like You. A bit ouch, I feel. You're listening to The Morning Run, 6.08 in the morning. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Kusu Chuang and Tan Chen Li today on Friday the 13th of May. Now, there will come a point in our lives when the doctor tells you that you need to make lifestyle changes to safeguard your health. And that point came for me a couple of weeks ago after I did my medical checkup. And while on the surface, the prescription to eat healthy and do more exercise sounds pretty straightforward, um, it's really tough to execute for some. And I'm <sighs> speaking for myself, especially if it involves changing patterns and routines. So my question to start off the morning up to the both of you is how do you build and maintain healthy habits. Do you have any tips? What has worked for you? Well, I think it has to be done um, for a consecutive number of days of say, I think there is a research that say it should be around 21 days, but I think the article is saying here that it takes about 18 to 254 days and the medium is, median time is actually 66 days to build a habit. I thought it's shorter than that. 66 days is quite a lot. <laughs> Two months <laughs> to build a habit. It's not, that's not un, how to say, it doesn't, I mean, because you're trying to build muscle memory, right? So mm. I can imagine that the longer you do it, the more the more you make it part of your routine, the easier it is to do. But it's always that first step for me that's really difficult because I can maybe can do something for three days, but by the fourth day, perhaps I fall off the wagon and then it gets really hard to start again. Yeah, the, um, the difficulty is directly proportional to the amount of time you've been doing the bad habit. So, for example, if you've been, you know, watching TV with um, a bag of chips for the last 30 years, then it's going to be really, really tough. But if you started at, say, 21 years old and you got a bit of a warning, then maybe it's a little bit easier. So in my case, I used to smoke uh, quite a lot because I was quite, I was young at the time. Then I was about 22, 23. And then I, you know, I used to have to walk upstairs, right? And then you arrive at the top of the stairs and you're out of breath. Then I thought to myself, this is not optimal. 
I'm only 22 years old. I don't want to be 42 or 52 years old and then be you know, doing all kinds of things and then be arriving at the top of the stairs out of breath. So I stopped smoking and I started working out and I've been doing that ever since. But I've been always playing sport. So that transition was quite easy for me. I think there's another important factor here that is also building on what Chuang is saying is that the will of you, I mean, why, I mean, why, uh, why are you doing this? Why do you want a change in yeah. habit? That is also a very crucial point here because that is the main driver to push you to stick to the habit and, and make a change. So that's interesting. I'm also reading this book. Um, uh, it's a self-help book uh, called Building Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg. And he talks about how in making a change in your life, it's always best to start small, super small, tiny. You know, you don't have to do that huge first step, but just a teeny tiny step forward could help. And motivation is a big part of changing that behavior, but motivation alone is not enough. So you may have the best of intentions to want to change your life or start a healthy habit, but motivation on itself, it's not going to be enough to convince you. So he also talks about making sure that you are actually able to do the habit that you're setting out to do and also to create the right prompt. So I was supposed to create that right environment or context for that uh, behavior to take place. Actually, that is absolutely true because when we say small goals, that's also um, what the personal trainer side of things is also uh, 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 applying. So instead of saying, I want to lose 10 kilograms, 10 kgs maybe you start with okay i will work out every week i will work out maybe three times a week and then when you achieve it at the end of the week you're like okay that's an achievement and then you go on maybe i'll work out four times also it's four weeks in a row in a month so then you have one month done and then you do three months you know so it's small goals build up to that which is which is a great way to start your, your building your habit yeah i would also say that um i would caution against reading too much and an analyzing too much because there's an element of paralysis to it because if you spend all the time reading up there's not much time to do the things that you got to do, right? So at some point, there's a transition from reading about it and reading all the... So I'm not saying that you're reading too much, Shaz, but, you know, at some Are point in time, <laughs> just, just get, just get right. going, right? So a lot of people will say, oh, you don't have to go and do a marathon straight away. Just start walking, you know, and, and that's, that's one thing. It doesn't have to be a two-hour workout. It can be a 10-minute walk. And actually, I've got this um, Xiaomi um, band thing, right? And it measures pi, physical activity index. I don't know how to calculate it, right? But like a 10-minute walk up a hill gives you an incredible reading. I didn't know that walking gives you so much value, but it does. So that's just more motive. Well, that's just more reason to start small when you want to yeah, get on that exercise yeah, yeah. bandwagon. Yeah, yeah? yeah. But I also want to talk about the motivation a little bit more because if it's a very strong motivation, say someone wants to get married, you know, more often than not, dress, right? somehow <laughs> it always works, you know, for for brides to be. Well, sometimes it's not about health. Sometimes it's financial security. Sometimes it's about you know getting the partner that you want. Sometimes it's getting the job that you want. There's always some element of. You know, this this guy, Joko Willinko, he's an ex-Navy SEAL, right? So he equates success with, with discipline. You can't have success in any part of your life without an, a high element of discipline, whether it's financial security, whether it's your personal health, or whether it's your personal relationships. You must have discipline because, like, for example, if you want to stay with your partner for the long term, you must be disciplined. You've got to resist temptation, right? That is high element of true. discipline. Yeah. Yes, that's absolutely true. And it actually reflects, uh, if you, I think it also reflects on your hireability sometimes because yeah. uh, some people, when they look at your resume and they see that you you are an Iron Man, for example, yeah. they would actually have quite a lot of respect on this person because it takes a lot of dedication and discipline to, to train, train for the Iron 
environment. Yeah, so the, in terms of time allocation and to do it, I don't know, years, you know, this is a lot. This says a lot about the person's per, uh, personality, actually. Well, tell us what you think. How do you build and maintain healthy habits? You know, what's your tip to create meaningful lifestyle changes? You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. It's 6.14 in the morning. We're heading into some messages. And when we come back, we're going to discuss to what extent does the way you talk affect your job prospects? Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. That was Travis with Why Does It Always Rain On Me? An old one, but a good one, I feel. A little bit of a sleepy way to start the morning, but we like it. We're The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Kusu Chuang and Tan Chen Li at 6.19 in the morning on Friday the 13th of May. Now, we've all heard of that saying, don't judge a book by its cover. This morning, we're extending this discussion to speech and how accents and dialects influence perceptions. So my question for you today is, do you judge people by the way they communicate, whether knowingly or unknowingly? I do. <laughs> <laughs> she says very sheepishly. Yes, I'm, I'm guilty of it. And I have to say, I have this tendency to do that. Um, but I, I'm actually particularly bad with uh, European accent in terms of um, European accent trying to speak English. I, I have a hard time listening to them. I don't know why. Yeah, because you're not used to that. That's not your, you know, kind of like primary lingua franca or native speaker, right? But I would say, I would venture to say that human beings are, at, you know, are primarily superficial in nature. Upon meeting someone for the first time, they give you the once over, see how you look, how you dress, how tall you are, what you're wearing, what shoes. And within 30 seconds, they formed a, maybe an opinion based on 60% of their final judgment. And then they hear you speak. And then that's the final 40% of their initial uh, point of view. And people, as they say, first impressions matter. It does, right? And we are quite superficial. And I think the, it's no surprise that if you speak English, the 10 most influential uh, or authoritative accents in the world predominantly come from uh, Anglo-Saxon countries, uh, the UK, for example, I- I- Ireland, for example. The only one which is a little bit not of that Anglo-Saxon variety are the French. And, you know, obviously the French have a very uh, attractive accent, which uh, does win them a lot of favours in, you know, all kinds of spheres. But yeah, we are very superficial creatures. Yeah, we are. And and it, when you apply this on in the professional setting, when it comes to a workplace, um, sometimes there's discrimination towards people who have a, who carry a certain accent, and sometimes it affects. In favor of. Uh, yeah. Well, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. People may judge you badly for the accent that you carry. For example, if you have a strong Malaysian accent and you go, you work in, say, American or a European setting, people may, sometimes you may get... They won't give you the time of day as much as you would like to. Yeah, sometimes. Not all the time, but we're not supposed to have this kind of discrimination, but you can't help it sometimes. Yeah, so it's not just accents. It's also about the energy of your voice. It's also about how deep it is, right? That's that's partly why... Um, what's the name? What's the name of that... that girl from Theranos, right? Um, Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes, right? She deliberately dropped her voice a few octaves and Margaret Thatcher did the same thing. So the more, the deeper your voice is, the more, uh, I guess, Anglo-Saxon your accent is, um, the more more confidence you convey into the other person. Indeed. So there's so many aspects to it, as you said, Chuang. It's about the tone, it's about what you say. Um, And it, I was surprised, I suppose, to, to, listen to when I listen to podcasts for example and especially in the United States where you think everybody speaks a a good Mm. level of English right but the fact is dialects there also make a difference so for example students with heavy southern uh 
accents are sort of trained from young to to neutralize that if they want to go work um, in, in a professional sphere, for example, which is something that I hadn't really realized. And you can even see that, for example, now when you talk about um, uh, black speech patterns, for example, there's a huge debate on on social media about how do you say the word ask? Is it ask or is it axe? And and just yeah, the, the yeah, different yeah. the different ways that people view it, yeah? yeah, and how saying it one way will get you discriminated in the workplace. So it's a pretty fraught. Um, area, which I have to say, I'm glad seeing being discussed in, in public more now. Yeah, it's very, a lot of parents don't realise the, the significance of these little cues, right? And I think Malcolm Gladwell was one guy who, he, he, I think he's a sociologist, econ, economist kind of person, and he wrote an entire chapter on this in one, in one of his books, which I read a long time ago, right? It also goes down to the name that you choose for your child. So for example, in America, if you, if you name your child Deontay, for example, the chances of that person getting hired by, say, for example, Goldman Sachs will be significantly less than if his name was, say, um, Robert, Robert, right, or, or Elizabeth. Do you know what I mean, right? So there's, there's connotations to everything, from your accent to your dress, just to also your name. So it's actually an extension of discrimination. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely it is. <laughs> yeah, abs- yeah, but sometimes also this uh, accent can actually uh, alleviate your hiring profile because uh, if you... If, if Elevate com- or alleviate? Uh, Elevate. So, yes. Yes. so if you were to say to look for a job in a um, Malaysian setting, I'm just trying to say, I'm trying not to, to avoid discrimination here. Uh, if you carry a, a British accent or an American accent, people tend to view you more favorably. I mean, that speaks to stereotypes, right? It speaks yeah. to our perceptions and it is heavily influenced by colonization, by exposure to the West, for example. So, I mean, again, it's, I don't know. I feel like we should probably look at language more neutrally if we can but as you as we've just been discussing it's pretty hard to divorce it from the context that we have um, and also we're talking about the English language but I'd be curious to hear about how this conversation takes place in other languages yeah like if a French person heard an English pe- person speaking with a with an English accent in French what perceptions do they have of that or if a Chinese person speaks French it's I think um, there are so many ways this can take place beyond just the English dimension um, which we don't have time for today but if you have any thoughts on accents uh, discrimination dialects how has that uh, how have you witnessed that in your life do whatsapp us at 0187 789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. We're heading into the 6.30am news bulletin. It is coming up to 6.26 in the morning now. And when we come back, we'll take a look at global headlines. But taking you to the news is Poison with Every Rose Has Its Thorn. BFM 89.9. That was the Cardigans with Love Fool. You're listening to The Morning Run on May, Friday the 13th, 6.39am. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Kusu Chuang and Tan Chen Lee. Now it's that time of morning where we take a look at what's making the headlines around the world. Chuang, you're raring to go. You have a <laughs> story that you want to share with us. What is that? Yes, uh, we talk all the time about inflation, right? And I want to talk about the story from the US about how Americans are not only feeling the pinch of inflation, they're making ends meet by using credit cards and debit cards. Mm and charge cards, right? Total consumer debt rose by $54 billion in March. That's a 14% increase. In America now, outstanding consumer debt stands at $4.5 trillion, US dollars, right? So those steaming checks from last year, those handouts from the government, all those Federal Reserve in, you know, money that went from the balance sheet to people, it's all gone. It's evaporated. Um, 
that yeah. So okay. not the most happy news, but it is reality as it as it sounds. There we go. That's not the greatest way to start the news segment, but you're right. I think it's, I think it's, everyone's going to feel the pinch. Yeah. And what more with inflation rising and what more with interest rate hikes? I think uh, debt burdens are going to increase moving forward. And sticking uh, with the American topic here, Jerome Powell is nom- um, he's voted as a for his second term at the helm of the Federal Reserve. Um, so he's going to be, of course, tackle the rampant inflation topic. You know, this is the first thing he's going to have to face coming to his second term. So interesting in a way. I mean, not really surprising, you know, that he's re- reappointed or re-elected. I think that has been on the cards for a very long time, but the reappointment process was stymied because of Republican concerns over another governor that was supposed to be elected, Sarah Bloom Raskin. Hmm. She withdrew sometime in March, and so that was what allowed the other governors uh, to be to proceed. But the fact that it's been hampered by these partisan politics, uh, it's a it, it's just reflect a reflection of the polarization in the US at the moment. Okay, other stories, other headlines. Yeah, I want to take a bit of a twist on the fact that uh, Sam Bankman Fried has taken a stake in Robinhood, right? So he bought about seven, about eight percent of the stock. And maybe that, tell us who Sam Bankman Fried okay, is. Okay, so Actually, Sam Bankman Fried. Fried, fried, tomato, tomato, <laughs> potato, potato, you know. Um, what I'm, well, basically, he made a lot of money on crypto. Uh, in, in the early days, he, he made money arbitraging Bitcoin prices in Japan versus America, and he made a bunch of cash. And then now he started this exchange called FTX, and of course, that's, that's gone gangbusters as well. So anyway, he's got a lot of money, $11.3 billion to be precise, and he's bought an 8% stake in Robinhood. That sends stock of Robinhood up by as much as 30% in after hours trading last night. So anyway, so the pundits are saying that now's the time for uh, other billionaires to be dipping the fat money into the into the private equity market because so many stocks are way way off the all time high. So I just want to read off some some names, right? Upstart, ninety two percent off the all time high, right? That's huge. Eighty three percent off the all time high for Roblox. Roku, eighty three percent. For example, Square down seventy one percent. So there's huge discounts and huge opportunities for you know for 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 bottom fishing lah for really rich people. Uh, Snap down 73%, Etsy down 73%, Palantir down 75%, Mondays down 75%, Netflix down 75%. These are some pretty big names. So buy the dips. If, if that's what you're going for, now is that time to... If you've got to the cash. La. If you've got the cash. Like Sam Bankman. Indeed. And maybe <laughs> maybe take a look at the stocks that you want to invest in because I see Peloton in there as well. And I'm not sure that Peloton is a company you want to invest I'm in even if so it's sure. in the yeah. dip, You know if you know what I mean. And I'm going to move the focus here to North Korea because they have done an amazing job keeping COVID out. Or maybe they lied because they have finally, finally made their announcement of the first COVID case since 2020. How amazing is that? I don't believe a word they say. <laughs> <laughs> if if their beloved far, uh, leader can hit 35 holes in one in a row and represented the country in 10 different events at the Olympics when he was three years old, there's an element of uh, disingenuity, disingenuity about the facts that emanate from the country. Yeah, but the question <laughs> then now is, why are they re- uh, reporting a first case now? Why not just keep the record clean, right? I've never had COVID in my country, which Be- is really the biggest question of the day. Because that maybe they've made headlines. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> they want to be in the headlines, maybe. I mean, what's happening in North Korea, it's uh, it's famously known as the Hermit Kingdom for a reason. Uh, they keep their news very tightly 
on a leash. So the fact that they're saying this, what does it mean, right? Mm. Everyone's watching. What it is that? What is it? What is it that they want? What perhaps? do they want? Yeah. Something that we can keep an eye on. And also, and also with North Korea, because this month, I think they have fired three ballistic missiles again and always trying to get attention. And we, again, trying to decipher this. Why are they doing this? What kind of attention are they trying to catch here? Is it because Joe Biden is going to visit South Korea this month? The petulant child. <laughs> <laughs> versus perhaps, their perhaps. South Korean partners. Um, yeah, a partnership for, of New York, this NGO, uh, he's a, a non-profit, clearly, talked about how they've done a study, right, released a couple of days ago, saying that only 8% of Manhattan workers are back to office uh, full-time. And 8%? That, just 8%. That's a tiny number, Yeah, that's actually. very small. Just interesting. It just goes to show that coming back to work isn't uh, isn't as excitedly welcomed by as many people as one may think. Uh, I think the whole flexibility discussion is still um, very much on the cards here. Very quickly before we head into a break, Sri Lanka has named a new prime minister after its former prime minister Mahinda Rajapaksa finally resigned. His brother, though, Gotabaya Rajapaksa, is still the president. Whether this new appointment will be able to quell the political unrest, that remains to be seen. 6.45 in the morning. We're taking a break for some messages. We'll be back with a look at what's making headlines in the local newspapers and portals. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. That was Sunny and Cher with The Beat Goes On. We're The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Kusu Chuang and Tan Chen Li. 6.50 in the morning. We're taking a look at what's making the front pages of our local newspapers and portals. Who'd like to start us off with what they see? Well, the Thomas Cup. We had a fairy tale run. We uh, won against Japan the, not the night before, but we've been knocked out in the quarterfinals. We lost to India, actually, uh, despite the fact that Li Zijia gave the first point for Malaysia. But then, uh, subsequently, we, I think we lost. And we're out. So 3-2 was the losing margin, unfortunately. Another Thomas Cup out of our hands. But hopefully, in the coming years, we will be able to hold that trophy aloft once again. What else? What about you, Chidli? What's in front of you at the moment? I'm looking at the debate that happened yesterday, uh, where Najib and Anwar had a, a face-off, actually, on Sapura Energy, Berhad about whether we should bail them out or not. Of course, this, the debate started off with them, uh, with Najib saying that uh, saying that Malaysians should would lose out if we if it is not safe because it employs it employs ten thousand and five hundred locals and it benefits uh, the owners of uh, ten point six million investors in Amana Saham Bumiputra. But of course, Anwar is saying that um, we need forensic audit on the debt laden oil and gas service company, especially on the CEO package that has been. Re- I think he received a million ringgit. Oh, sorry, a billion ringgit between twenty nineteen and twenty twenty one. But of course, the debate didn't stop there. It went on to talk about GST as Najib was saying that a GST should have been carried out still because that would give an extra income to the country of 30 billion and would have helped the COVID-19 effects. Of course then Najib is, I'm sorry, Anwar is then saying, countering that and saying that um, no, we shouldn't be looking at this because we sh- uh, he actually sort of marked someone and say that uh, uh, the, the cake should not be solely enjoyed by a single person. So a little bit of an ouch moment there. It was an interesting debate. I didn't get to watch the full run, uh, but I did watch somewhat halfway. So I, I heard the uh, Sapura Energy discussion and I heard some of that discussion. I did hear that infamous cake comment, which was made in response to what Datuk Sri Najib said, where he said that the cake needs to be made bigger so that everyone can get a piece. And Anwar came in to say, well, you know, you shouldn't share the cake. You shouldn't eat the cake on your own. And even if it's shared, are you giving a smaller piece to others while the elites take the bigger share? So w- whether this debate 
has actually managed to change anyone's mind is a big question for me because I feel people watching the debate would have their preconceived notions of both leaders already. Mm. And I think that uh, how you view it uh, would really depend on how you view the leaders already. I, I think the biases will come in. Whether, the, whether it changes the minds of fence-sitters is what I'm looking to see, um, perhaps in the next GE15 and onwards. Well, talking about the fence, uh, crossing the fence into Thailand. So a lot of people thought that maybe the borders are open and we can go to Thailand because obviously it's a beautiful place to go. But uh, apparently, according to the um, COVID Situation Administration Assistant Spokesperson, Dr. Api Samai Siri Rangan, um, basically, we still need to get uh, and register with the Thailand Pass system. So when registering with the Thailand Pass, vaccinated travellers must attach their passport, vaccine information, proof of insurance for $10,000, and submit those documents with a negative test within 72 hours before your flight to Thailand if you do not wish to quarantine. So a little bit onerous still to go to, to, go to Thailand. All right. So, but, but, but you can go, provided that you are open to going through all these, this checklist yeah. of things to do. Um, in contrast, I suppose other countries that are a lot more loose, a lot more open, um, how quickly different countries will get to that level, I think it's up to the individual comfort level and rules of each country, obviously. And staying on the COVID topic, uh, so uh, there's an updated advisory of our second booster shot. So earlier, I think uh, it was announced that uh, people are above 60 with chronic disease uh, or complication, you can actually opt for the second booster. And now it's been open for uh, people above six, uh, above sixteen, sorry, above eighteen, sorry, of high risk group. You can actually opt for this uh, booster, second booster shot already. All right. Do we know whether it should be done through my? Suge- well, I don't know. How would we apply for this? Uh, is there any details on that? Something that we will be looking up um, yes. in the official Ministry of Health portals to you know just better understand what those procedures are. Another quick announcement from the Ministry of Healthy Pick Kids program, which was due to end on May 15th has actually been extended until the end of the month. So May 31st is the last date for you to get uh, the first dose for your children aged 5 to 11 years old. They extended the deadline in light of all the holidays that have been going on, just giving people a little bit more time to get to their nearest vaccination center. And of course, we do urge you to do so if you haven't done yet. It is a good opportunity to get a free vaccine for your children. All right, 6.55 in the morning. We're heading into the 7 a.m news bulletin and when we come back we'll take a look at what's making headlines in the no not what's making headlines well in the corporate sphere we'll check out how global markets closed overnight maybe taking a look at how crypto markets have fared uh taking us to the news now is wild world by mr big it's a wild world indeed in the crypto space bfm 89.9 thank you for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on itunes BFM 89.9, The Business Station.